Welcome to another episode of Tied Together. And today we're going to be talking about digital in on-demand delivery. And we're speaking with Chief Technology Officer at Glovo, Narek Verdian, who is based in Barcelona and is working with Glovo that allows you to get the best products of your city in a few minutes and they connect users, businesses and couriers to make that possible. Currently Barcelona based, but in 26 countries. Is that right, Narek? That's right, Petrida. Very nice to, to be here and finally be speaking to you. Yes. Yeah, Glovo was founded by in 2015 by our founders, Oscar, Pierre and Sasha, Sasha Michaud. And now we operate in 26 countries and many, many cities in those countries in uh, Western, Southern Europe, Central um, and Western Asia, but also Africa. I was just in Kenya last week and it's incredible to see Glovo operating there in Nairobi and other cities and customers, partners and couriers using it day to day. Okay. So you're you're back to traveling, are you? I am. In fact, I moved to Barcelona from the UK back in July last year. And having spent more than a year not traveling in, in the UK, I was actually pleasantly surprised how European Union countries were still pushing for businesses to be able to travel. Borders were not shut. They were open for travel. And uh, yeah, I'm uh, taking advantage of that. Because mm, you, I mean, you're. Let's talk about you know your role at Glover and how many sort of areas that your your work is spread across. Your chief technology officer, but you know, go into more detail about your role at Glover. Yeah, I'm um, CTO here at Glover, running engineering, data, IT, and security. Some of the found foundational pillars of our operations. We operate in, like I said, we operate in 26 countries, but we produce our technology right now in four places. By far the biggest engineering and tech teams we have are in Barcelona. We have over 400 people based in Barcelona. And we also have teams in Warsaw, in Poland, in Madrid, another city in Spain, and a tech hub in Kiev as well. In, in terms of being sort of spread out in four cities where you're sort of managing how do you use technology to, to sort of manage those teams? Well, obviously, I think being a leader in tech right now is spoiled with, uh, with choice. We use many tools that are available for anyone else, like Zoom, um, Miro, whiteboarding, you know, tool, and others. But ultimately, I think it comes down to how we're organized in terms of teams focusing on particular domain areas. You know, Glovo is a four-sided complex marketplace where we continuously optimize to, to match customers with what they need in their city through our partners, but also couriers that, that make deliveries for those orders. That requires a very large team. And we have hundreds of engineers and data scientists, product managers, and other very important roles that work together to make that happen. But we try to make sure that there is smooth day-to-day collaboration that's possible between the members of a team of a particular domain. So let's take our customer cluster. We call them clusters. Everybody that works on our customer app 
or works in, in what we call a cluster. Mm-hmm. We want them to be available for each other. We want them to be able to, when they need to actually get to the office and spend some time in the office together to ideate, to come up with the hypotheses that they're going to, uh, they're going to implement and test and, um, with, uh, with the sole benefit of adding value to our customers and making them to, making it easier for them to find what they're looking for in their city. So basically, they're very much thinking about, uh, whilst they're building new products, they're obviously thinking about the customer in mind all the time. Yeah, and customer is not, like like I said, we're a four-sided marketplace. So some of the teams, very significant part of our team focuses on the end customer, people who use Global Day today, millions of people who use Global Day today to order things that they need. And uh, it's not only food, but you mentioned in the beginning of the session, we also do groceries, pharmacy, first aid, hygiene products. So it comes down to immediacy, things that someone might need right now. We also do things like gifts, because many people use Global to actually deliver uh, gifts or they might have forgotten. uh, They they need a last minute gift before they need to go to the party. It's a very good thing for, for that. And we have a large part of our team focusing on making sure that customers every day have an amazing experience on when they order on Global. But other parts of the, of the Global Take team focus on making sure that the partners who sell on Global, who are selling their products on Global, have equally an amazing experience. And we give them tools so that they're aware what the competition looks like, who they're competing with, and how they can sell even more on Global. Like I mentioned, I was in Kenya last week, and it was, it's, it's, it's incredible to see how Global can essentially put them on a map. There's very little little um, restaurants on the street, I believe they call, they're called Kibandas, who before Global were not even digital. They, they were very far from being anywhere in a, in, a, in, a, in a digital world. But right now, Global put them on a digital map. And uh, the Slito restaurant start, started making 10, 20 times more orders because they started receiving demand from the app. Wow. And on the other side, we have teams focusing on making sure the courier experience is as, as great as it can be from the maps experience, navigation, the community contact between customers and couriers. It is, it is complex. Uh, it's, it's very complex managing a marketplace like this, but I'm, I'm thrilled that we have an amazing, talented team uh, working on it. Mm-hmm. So you talk about four sides. You talk about you know delivery, partners, brands, and basically couriers. couriers yeah. And so you know, how do you then piece this together in terms of you know using technology to kind of make it all work? Yeah, I think core part of it, and it is I'm perfectly sure a part of uh, any other uh, competitor or player in this market is machine learning, data science, AI. It comes down to continuously matching supply and demand. It comes down to using data science to predict at what point in the future will we need how many couriers, for example. There are many, many problems that we have to solve day to day. But it's a very, managing a marketplace is very complex. uh, And it's not just optimizing for one key metric, it's optimizing for many key metrics at the same time. And in order to do that, you need a big data platform. You need, you know, we need the ability to ingest many events every time a customer or a partner or a courier or a brand interacts with our platform. We need to understand that, understand those events and use the events, take insights 
develop hypotheses and uh, implement or configure new ways of supporting them in our marketplace. So, you know, you sort of having come from uh, sort of a hotel background, you know, building a platform for hotels, how is delivery, you know, building a platform for a delivery company different? I think ultimately it's about, like you mentioned, customer experience. It's about the experience that the users of your products have day to day. For me, what hasn't changed in my career from the moment I was introduced to software engineering is about the fact that we are here to solve customer problems. I think when you are in engineering, and I keep telling this to my team, the pull of trying to solve a bigger problem is so big that many careers fail as a result of that. I think what's important for a success in an industry like us or a travel industry that I spent, I had the um, opportunity to spend a decade in, is about staying focused on solving problems for customers. And then ultimately, when you have dashboards showing real time, how many bookings of hotels are people making or how many orders that we're delivering for customers, it's very rewarding. And I think it's always trying to keep eyes, the eyes on, on that and trying to use those metrics to drive decision-making, whether it's how we operate in Barcelona or in Yerevan or in Nairobi or in Accra, it's all about customer experience. And I think that is, you know, if you come here to our office and, 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 and sit next to engineering teams and ask them, I'm doing now a lot of work to make sure that engineers, they have a clear understanding of the piece of code that they write. How is that going to make be friends for our customers, partners, couriers, or brands, because that's what matters. Mm -hmm. You know, in terms of the last five years, or uh, sorry, seven years, I think it is, 2015, how has Glovo developed, you know, its its products? And, and in terms of what big changes have we seen in terms of products? Yeah, Glovo from, I think what was in Glovo's DNA from day one is the fact that we are, we can deliver anything, that we are multi-category. And, and right, right now we are. If, if you open the global app, apart from all the different options that, that customers have, there we also have this option of Quiero, which is anything, or I just want something. And our customers are able to type, I would like you to go to the shop and buy this for me. And then we get it done. Uh, it is very complex logistically because it could be anything and it's very difficult to, difficult to manage. But that's a very good way of understanding What's trending? What is it that people like? If, if we don't have it on our platform, what is it that people like? And what is it that we should be working with partners to bring, bring to global? And, and then suddenly we end up having to create new verticals. And each of those new verticals, have, we have, for each of those new verticals, we have to use different technology at times to support it. So the way Global changed it, it started as, I just want anything up. And then gradually it evolved into food, it evolved into groceries. It evolved into pharma and gifting and courier, just sending something from A to B. And as a result of that, the demand for our most scarce asset in a company kept increasing over and over, which is engineering capacity. Two years ago, Glovo had a very small team of 50 to 60 engineers. Now we have a 500 plus, 550 plus engineering team, and it's still not enough. It's still not enough. And we continue hiring because we are 
committed to our vision of providing customers access to anything in their city. And for that, we need we need incredible talent to be able to achieve it. So how does digital enable Glovo to provide its customers, you know, in a fast and competitive way? I mean, there, there is there is no Glovo without digital, but there's no Glovo without technology. Glovo is technology. It's the medium of connecting partners to couriers to customers. And luckily, as I mentioned, we're spoiled for choice in terms of what technology we have access to from the ability to use cloud providers to use observability tools like Datadog, being able to actually see what's going on day to day, to use many things like no-code platforms where perhaps the certain aspects of our platform where we don't really have to invest a lot to, to differentiate. We could easily use no-code platforms to, to kind of make leaps forward. I think... Yeah, there, there's no there's no global without technology. There's no global without digital, and the big focus is is basically how do we improve it week over week? How do we improve it month month over month? With again a clear aim of making the platform better for the participants of our marketplace. Yeah, because I mean, Glovo is I mean it's incredible in seven years how it's grown so fast and expanded in 26 countries. You know, I mean. It's amazing how technology... It's, it's an amazing story. It is an amazing story. I mean, I mean, can we talk a little bit about the story? Just how how has it expanded so quickly with the use of digital? Yeah. Um, look, I think... I keep thinking about this a lot. Is there a market where delivering food wouldn't work? And I remember many years ago, even before I heard of Global, we're having conversations about takeaway food and some especially Italian friends, for example, would say that's not, never going to work in Italy. You know, we, uh, we would never take away uh, things we want to eat in a restaurant. But the fact is that I don't believe there's any market in the world that it, it doesn't work. So I think Global has an amazing playbook of entering markets where we know that we can be number one. And out of 26 countries we operate in, we are number one in about 16. And on our way to be number one in, in many of the others, because many of this might, might, might be recent countries that we have entered, such as Nigeria, for example. It's a, it's a market I'm very interested in seeing how it evolves. But I think it, it comes down to the relentless focus on providing an amazing experience for our customers. And ultimately, that's what wins, I would say. Right. So, so when you've developed in you know, places like Nigeria, for example, you're using the same tools that you use everywhere else. I mean, and it, but you have to find ways to be able to kind of enable that in those countries. It, it is a challenge for sure. I think the way uh, the, the way we expand is vast majority of the platform is the same. The app apps, you know, whether that's the customer app, career app, partner app, they're they're all the same. And we launch markets with with those products. But what we have done over the year is making many things configurable where our local teams, whether that's our operations, fleet management, partner support, they can tailor some of the experience to the local market. And uh, that has helped us, you know, go to new markets, whether that's in Western Asia, Central Asia, uh, across Europe or, or now in Africa to, to go into markets to become favorites for, for locals and uh, and essentially gain market share for global. So basically, you know, it's just it's just finding ways to connect in those countries, basically, and to set it all up. 
yeah, it's it's building up the team, uh, starting the operations. It's learning. Our platforms have to learn from obviously local habits, local customs. Uh, we have uh, within our platform, we have kind of a brain of our platform that is able to forecast, that is able to predict how many couriers we will need and calculate routes for pickups and drop-offs. The platform needs data to learn. And in order for that we need uh, to happen, we need to launch uh, a small operation, start delivering. And obviously, uh, people in the city see the global riders with distinct yellow bags and people start downloading. Uh, uh, starting using the app at small scale, but it helps us get accustomed to local customs and and the way that the habits and then and then kind of start small and start gradually investing in different marketing media and and go from there. Okay, amazing. So yeah, building the brand, building awareness, and you know making sure that you have everything in place to do to make it happen. And you know we were talking a little bit about how digital has changed delivery over the years. And you know in terms of Glovo is is one of the main players in this field. Are you sort of creating your own sort of products to, to, to build delivery or, you know, just talk a little bit about the tools that you're using in terms of uh, sort of using the, to, to make the delivery app work, basically. Can you talk a little bit about the tools that you use? Yeah. I mean, look, as you said, technology has massively disrupted the delivery industry. Right? If I think about 10, 10 years back, maybe 15 years back, the only thing you could take out was some takeout food, whether it is the local pizzeria or uh, um, the Chinese, but now the possibilities are endless. And, you know, at Globo, I mentioned before, we, we did start, like we do start in countries doing food because that's very universal. Uh, food works everywhere, but then mm-hmm. quickly follow with groceries, flowers, medical supplies, most recently COVID tests. Mm-hmm. It was interesting looking at country by country, some of the things that customers buy and seeing uh, face masks, for example, to dominate, very closely followed by nappies and uh, other high-end hygiene products. What's making that possible is day-to-day us investing in, in new technology, new ways of doing things. As a CTO, I come from a background where I've never, never liked building technology for the sake of building technology. I want technology to solve customer problems. And in order for us to invest in a particular technology, I always encourage teams to come up with a develop, you know, look at, take insights from problems that customers face and develop hypotheses. And then based on those hypotheses, come up with a plan of how they're going to make sure that they test the hypothesis first before going in and building technology that might take six months or 12, 12 months to develop. So in this respect, all my strong, amazing, talented engineering data teams are focused on continuously testing those hypotheses and, and and investing in technology that helps drive better customer experience or better experience for all more marketplace. Okay, so can you what tools do you have that enable you to kind of measure kind of customer success and what customers need basically? It's a combination of things. I mean, like any other company, we do the do surveys for net promoter score. We, we, we try to understand customer satisfaction. We look into metrics like contact, you know, how many customers might gain contact with Glovo or try to contact the courier. That's a good indicator of whether their order is progressing smoothly or 
or they have they have had to seek help during during mm. the process. So those are good metrics to look at. But also, like I said, we're very focused on data. We develop tools internally, or we use tools like Amplitude, which is widely available, to be able to see how our customers experiencing global and and are there any particular things that are inhibiting their progress with the app? Are they not finding what they're looking for? And those serve as inputs to the product and the functionality enhancements that we seek to seek to build. Right. Um, and what does delivery need to keep moving forward? I mean, you know, Clover has, has rapidly exp- changed and expanded so far, but what does it need to keep moving? Look, it's a very hot industry. Right? Um, maybe not in the last few weeks as much, but when I look back uh, five, six months um, ago, every week I would wake up to news of a new startup that's two weeks old raising uh, a lot of money in order to do 10-minute grocery deliveries. Fact is, a global Global essentially introduced those rapid deliveries in the markets that we operate in, and it keeps growing. The demand for things faster right now demands growing, but ultimately for us at Global, it comes down to solving the immediacy. Like I need something now, and we try to learn from the cities, from people in the cities that we operate in, what is it that you might need right now, and we try to enhance our platform to be able to support that. Mm-hmm. And when you think about the tools that, let's say, Glovo suddenly sort of collapsed one day, what would you miss the most in terms of the tools that you're using to make Glovo work? What are the tools that you most rely on? Yeah, I mean, we use tools like Datadog for observability. Data. Yeah, Datadog. Like, how, um, how does that work? Can you explain a bit about that? You know, there, there are similar, many similar products, you know, Datadog. App dynamics or others, but essentially at Global we use Datadog in order to uh, to be able to monitor the health of our platform. Mm-hmm. Um, that's from all the way from how customers interact with our website. We do have web experience as well. Obviously, there are certain markets where people use Global on the web, um, but all the app we look at interactions. We look at interact interactions between services between the apps and services the load of our servers and the load of our data stores and our teams generally they develop software but they're also responsible for maintaining software in a production environment so they my expectation is they are first they should be first to know if uh, there are certain things that fail in the production environment and and data don't make that easier i remember but, you know, the days where those tools didn't exist and we had to kind of create all these alerts and checks, um, all the monitoring ourselves. And that takes significant time, time and effort. You know, those tools are not cheap. By all means, they do. <laughs> they do make up a big part of my tech budget, but ultimately they're, uh, they're very useful in order to make sure that we have a healthy um, operating systems. Hmm. Okay, so the, the, there are tools that you couldn't live without, basically. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, and and where do you feel the gaps are in digital? What you know? Can you talk a little bit about what's missing and what are the challenges with technology that you you know that you need with, to to make your job easier? I think right now, you know, there's there's technology gets better every day uh, in many different ways, you know, and I think at the heart of it, as we go forward is it's kind of mostly focused on you know machine learning ai going to next level uh, and helping us 
do a lot of things faster, come to make decisions much faster. But I think right now, especially as pandemic has changed how people think about work, I think the tools that I am missing, and I think there, there's a gap, is how to more efficiently manage the hybrid hybrid working environment. I am still a major believer that face-to-face time is important. And I have seen, I have come across people in, in our office that told me, I came to the office today and I ended up answering six Zoom meetings after because I solved all my problems in the office seeing people face-to-face. And I think I'm a believer in that, but hybrid work flexibility, spending time in the offices, at home, is I think I think the future. And I don't believe right now we have any effective technology that is helping us to manage work that way. Okay. So we still need the face-to-face. I do believe so. And even if not face-to-face, we need to ensure inclusive work environment. I come across certain engineering teams out there that may have three or four people based in the same city who are able to meet up with relationships, essentially what we call engineering gel and work together well. However, the rest of the team members are spread across different countries and they never see each other. And I don't particularly believe that's a very inclusive experience. So mm-hmm. I do think that tools that are that, that, that come up that will help us solve the hybrid working environment are going to help us accelerate in the future. So you think there will be more tools to develop in terms of online working and working across cities or countries that there needs to be more kind of like uh, sort of inclusive ways of working online as well as offline? Yes. Yeah. You know, as um, one of the best ways I've found as a leader, you know, leading hundreds of engineers to influence influence my teams is going to the different offices. I used to travel a lot, even you know, travel a lot before pandemic uh, to the US, to Australia, to many European countries to spend time, meaningful time with my with my teams. It's through those things that were called Gemba walks in, in lean manufacturing, which is essentially where managers would go walk around the factory floor and help to, to understand what are the problems that the teams are facing and help them solve it. I used to do that before. I used to travel to all the different uh, places I had engineers, spend meaningful time, help make real-time decisions. And I find that right now it's very difficult remotely. It's very difficult. You cannot put everyone on a Zoom call and watch them work and then help the teams make real-time decisions. And I think that's where we will need innovative ways of essentially making the same happen remotely. So can you think about like, obviously, you know, the kind of tools that you do need to make that happen? What Can you imagine that? I guess maybe that's going to be solved in a metaverse. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> that's, that's an idea. That's an idea. Yeah, it's very interesting because about a year and a half ago, I did have you know, occasional meetings with colleagues in the metaverse using, using Oculus Quest. And I think instead of a whiteboard, we used this uh, graffiti, like the, the wall, some wall in New York, and used um, paint to do diagrams. But but you know, I think going forward, that problem will be solved. It's, go- it's going to be easy to you know connect virtually in a virtual office from different parts of the world and be able to have similar experience as meeting face to face in the office. 
No, definitely, because I actually d- describe that as like, for example, when you know when COVID happened, you know that there were some students that couldn't be in the classroom, but you want to create the same experience for the people that are in the classroom that the people are sort of online. So it's like, how do you do that? You know, you want to put them in a room together and see them virtually in that room. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. It does absolutely. And I think the biggest thing that uh, you know, I have a seven-year-old, and we did our first year of homeschooling during the pandemic. But I think it was very sad seeing him miss out on a lot of the social connections, um, hanging mm. out with friends and developing the social side of his character. And I do feel like at work as well, yes, we are spoiled for choice in engineering. I could, you know, I know that many of my engineers, I'm super happy that they're global, but I'm equally conscious that tomorrow, if they if they don't, they can find another job and we're spoiled for choice in engineering. But ultimately, for many people, I think what matters is also developing this, being able to develop the social sphere further and being able to interact in the office. That's what I think that has to be solved for in, in the future. So that's the, that's the main challenges you see, foresee at the moment in terms of working with, with uh, technology and, and working with teams. Yes, Okay. And, you know, just one last question. You know, Glovo's obviously come a very long way in seven years. Where do you see it going sort of in the future? You know, our um, approach has always been one party stay, you know, going further in the markets that we operate in, provide better or, you know, more choice, more selection of, of what Glovo makes available to customers. On the other side, I think for Glovo is going to, the big focus is going to be understanding how can we solve more problems for, for, for restaurants or for, for partners in general. Because restaurants still do many things manually, whether that's revenue management, uh, collective purchasing. Generally, they're, 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 I think they're the restaurant industry is ripe for kind of in-restaurant disruption of some form. And I know that many competitors, especially in the in U.S., many companies in, in our industry in the U.S. are already making making moves uh, with that respect. And I think that's going to be some, some somewhere that global, uh, an area that global will focus as well. Going forward. Okay. And also the, um, the, the, the kitchens as well. Yeah, kitchens. And, you know, we have our cook rooms. We have our virtual brands and that's something that we have scaled in Spain. It's scaling in different countries as well. We mm-hmm. have in Spain some of the biggest uh, chefs, even two Michelin star chefs, um, I believe, who have opened virtual brands and have been uh, operating via global, especially during pandemic. Um, mm-hmm. But that's something that we're taking further in different countries. Okay. And then, you know, just to, to final question, how does Glovo stay ahead of the curve when it comes to delivery with, with their competitors? I think it's for sure part of it is obviously investing in, in the markets, investing in brand awareness, investing in better experiences for all parts of our marketplace. Secondly, it's, you know, it's relying on, on the incredible engineering talent and tech talent that we have to solve problems for customers. Wonderful. Wonderful. Okay. So, uh, yeah, it's all about investing, investing, investing. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's the world of our times in our industry. 
Absolutely. Well, Narek, it's been a pleasure talking to you today. And thank you very much for spending time on the Tie Together podcast today and learning about, you know, uh, how digital is enhancing delivery and how Glovo is creating such an incredible brand with, you know, the use of technology. My pleasure, Katrina. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this edition of Tie Together. If you have any comments or you have any feedback for us, you can always email us at tiedtogether at cohesus.co.uk.